Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to just a little bit of time where we're going to invest in you so that you can enjoy life at its best. That's what Jesus came to do. He came so that we could have what the King James calls the abundant life. Some translations call life to its fullest. But however you say it is life at its best because life's only great. When, when it is harmonized with God, when God is in the middle of it, empowering you, strengthening you, leading you, helping you, teaching you, man, that's when you have life at its best. You know, I can't tell you how many times over the years people have said to me, it's a shame that we didn't get a blueprint, you know, when we had kids or when we were born. We do have a blueprint, but sadly, uh, religion has gotten us to the place where everything God has told us about how to have a great life, people have twisted it and, and made it so confusing, so ritualistic, legalistic, uh, ceremony-based or whatever, that it seems like people just have a struggle trying to figure out how to understand the Bible, how to understand what it's saying. Uh, and, and people get confused. And here's, here's the real sad thing. After years and years and years of personal ministry, personal counseling, personal consulting, even working as coaches, uh, you know, as a coach with, with, with people, uh, I find that when it comes to God, that people have incredibly conflicting beliefs that lead to a confusion so that there is no absolute sense of who God is, no absolute sense of what you can expect from God. And we, that all comes under the religious cloak of God is mysterious. And so we come up with, with this concept about God being so mysterious that we can never understand his ways. Well, you know what? The Bible not only says just the opposite of that, the Bible was given so that we could understand God's ways. Yes, there are things about God we will never know. I'm, I'm good with that. But I'm telling you this. Everything that we need to know is in the Bible, but sadly, we do not know where to look for it. We do, uh, you know, we take things out of context and we get so incredibly confused. Well, you know what? This series that we are doing this month, The Truth About Job, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. This is going to help you unravel the mess of religious beliefs that have been imposed upon you probably your entire life. Even if you did not grow up in church, we, we live in a culture that, that is full of religious beliefs and we just pick them up uh, along the way. A lot of those come from churches and ministers. A lot of those come from atheists and, and, and teachers at school. And we, we end up with, these, with this hodgepodge of beliefs that I'm telling you what, it is no wonder that we are constantly confused about God. You know, um, in... In the, uh, in the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 52, 53, 54 are three of the most important chapters that we need to know in order to really know who 
who God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And because Isaiah, you know, Isaiah 52 points out that the reason the children of Israel continuously went into captivity and oppression was because they did not see God as He really was. Now, the book of Peter tells us that we receive the goal of our faith. So, so if, if I don't know who God is, the goal of my faith may be a much lower standard uh, than what God is promising. The goal of my faith may be very, very limiting. And, and of course, a lot of people say, God's God. He can do anything He wants to in your life. No, God can't do anything He wants to in your life because we are created in the likeness and the image of God. And God will never and can never violate our will. If He violates our will, our freedom of choice one time, then He becomes a liar and all that exists implodes because right now all of creation uh, exists and is upheld by the word of His power, according to the book of Hebrews. And uh, I'm not going to go into the uniqueness of that phrasing, the word of His power, not just the power of His word. It's kind of a continuum. But if God's word is not 100% consistent, if God's word is conflicting or contradictory anywhere at all, then the real truth is all things that exist would immediately begin to crumble, begin to fall apart, and uh, creation as we know it would, would end. Now, <clears throat> when, we, when we look at God's word, we... We really need to understand, what am I really looking for? What, what, you know, many people, uh, you know, we used, to, we used to kind of joke about this years ago. Uh, many people read the Bible as if, uh, as if God has given them fire insurance and, and reading the Bible and praying is paying the premiums on your fire insurance. And so, so many people read the Bible out of obligation, no actual sense of how how do I use this? What's, what's the, why do I even do this? Well, I'll tell you why you do this is because there is God's plan for us and how we can have an incredibly abundant, fulfilled life is plainly laid out in the scripture. But it's not plain to the person who doesn't open up their heart, who isn't willing to be teachable. You know, if you've read my book, Heaven on Earth, uh, where I talk about what Jesus taught so that we could have heaven on earth. And Jesus was a teacher of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of God is a place where man sur surrenders to uh, God out of his own free choice. He's not being forced. He's not, his will is not being violated. And, uh, and as such, he enters a realm called the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is heaven on earth now, that's where God wants us to live. But the interesting thing is this. When you begin to look at what Jesus taught about people who could and would follow his teachings in order to have heaven on earth, you discover that the one prerequisite is that that person has to be teachable. And that's why John the Baptist came on the scene and Jesus came on the scene and the very first message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we've got these religious ideas about what repentance means and, and uh, 
And as such, you know, uh, people have, even today, people just reject any concept of the idea of repentance. Some people believe, well, repentance is, has something to do when you, with when you first got saved. Well, it, it does. Uh, some people think that repentance is just repenting of your evil ways. And, and uh, you know, I was kind of taught that repentance was just feeling sorry about what you did. Well, you know, if, if I felt sorry, if, if repentance was feeling sorry for what you did, I never would have gotten saved because... Uh, I wasn't feeling sorry about doing drugs. I wasn't feeling sorry about the people that I'd hurt. I wasn't feeling sorry about the young teenagers that I turned on to drugs for the first time. I wasn't feeling sorry about committing adultery and cheating and lying. I didn't really feel sorry about that. That's how I had fun. Uh, I, tell you what I, I tell you what I felt sorry about. I felt sorry about the fact it was killing me. I felt sorry about the fact that my life was falling apart, that I wasn't happy. In other words, I, I, I didn't like the results of what I was doing, even though on some short, temporary, shallow level, I enjoyed what I was doing. And uh, so if repentance was just feeling sorry for what you did and crying and, you know, and, and falling apart and begging God, well, then I, I never would have gotten saved. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is about the willingness and the capacity to change your mind, to change what you think about something and to ultimately change what you believe about it. In other words, you have to be teachable. Repentance is basically a person who has an attitude that is, that is teachable and willing to learn, specifically willing to learn from God. And so, God wants us, God wants to bring us into heaven on earth. But in order to do that, we have to be teachable. You say teachable about what? Teachable, teachable about everything. You know, here, here's the amazing thing. When you remove all of the religious components uh, from your reading and understanding of the Bible, you start understanding that almost everything God ever said, more than anything else, helped us in what I call our horizontal relationships. Now, it helps us first and foremost in our relationship with Him because that's, that's our source of life. That's our source of strength. That's our source of wisdom. That's our source of, of all that we need uh, to potentially have this great life. But as, uh, as Dennis Prager points out, um, uh, the Ten Commandments, God gave the Ten Commandments, eight of the Ten Commandments we're all about how to relate to others and how to relate to yourself. Only two of them were about how to relate to God. Well, when God gave the, what is it, 613 commandments uh, uh, to the children of Israel, they were all categories uh, of the 10 that showed them how to apply these 10 in, in a civil setting, in, in a national civil setting, so there would be order and this sort of thing. So all of those commandments... 80% uh, of them were always about how to treat other people. And amazingly, you have, you have health commandments, which remember the word commandment is better understood as prescriptions. You have health prescriptions that tell you how to be physically healthy. You have emotional health prescriptions, commandments, that tell you how to have great healthy emotions. You have uh, uh, financial prescriptions that tell you how to manage your money, how to prosper. You have uh, civil prescriptions that tell you how to have true social justice instead of this mess that's creating all this chaos in our world today and, and how to create a safe world for innocent people. In other words, everything that pertains to life, any aspect of life, 
and godliness, we have not only the instructions for it, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ who by the Holy Spirit will come into us and teach us how to walk in this and teach us how to apply all of this so we can have heaven on earth, or as I call it so often, so that we can have life at its best. And I'm telling you, uh, today uh, and all of this week, we're talking about the truth about Job because, and, and the reason we're focusing in on Job is because Job is one of those books that people always point to when trying to convince themselves or others that God is in fact the one who is causing the problem for you, that God is in fact the one who is, who is releasing the devil on you to, to attack you and destroy you. Well, you know what? That absolutely can't be. You know, the Bible says to him who knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. You know, so uh, the Bible also teaches that if you have the power to deliver someone from harm and don't do it, then you are as guilty as the person who does them harm. So it is impossible. God has, God has the power. He has the ability. He has the strength to always protect us from the devil. But here's what he doesn't have. He doesn't have the authority in our lives unless we choose it. So if we are not choosing to be free from the enemy's ways, then we will harmonize with the enemy and we will experience uh, death and destruction with the enemy. But this whole idea of God, you know, the, I committed some kind of sin, so it opened the door of the devil and God didn't protect me because I'd done something. All of that stuff is a bunch of nonsense. It is a bunch of biblical nonsense. And I can show you in so many ways and we're going to throughout these series. Now, I'm not talking about easy believism. I'm not talking about live any way you want to. I'm not talking about, you know, live an irresponsible, immoral, ungodly life and just, just believe that everything's going to be great. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God has given us everything we need to know about life and godliness, but he has also given us the power to live life and godliness. But it all hinges on what do I believe about God? Therefore, out of that, what do I believe about myself? So the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 52 says that the problem is people blame God. He says, my name is blasphemed 24 seven by these people who are oppressed because he says, they don't see me as I am. He says, but a day is going to come when they will see me as I am. And they will say, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them who proclaim the gospel of peace and publish good news. Well, I got news for you. It's not good news when somebody tells you God's going to hurt you. It's not good news when, God, when, when, when somebody tells you God's going to let bad things happen to you. It is not good news and it is not peace whenever to say out of one side of your mouth God loves you and then to say out of the other side of the mouth God, God is going to kill you. God's going to make you sick. God's going to let the devil attack you. God's going to take your family members away from you. God's going to hurt other people in your life to teach you something. That is uh, absolute insanity, but it is religious insanity that is embraced by most of the whole world. And I realize some of you right now, you're turning me off. You know, I, the last time I taught uh, on this particular subject, it was really interesting. Uh, somebody, 
I didn't get a lot of criticisms for it because a lot of people got help. But it's really interesting. Two criticisms I got. Number one, a guy says, well, this is just a bunch of charismatic theology. No, charismatic theology will tell you out one side of your mouth that God is good and out the other side of your mouth that God's, that God's doing bad things to you. A word of faith theology will tell you out one side of your mouth that if you have enough faith, you know, you'll get God to do this. But if you don't, then this will happen to you. That, this, this has nothing to do with word of faith theology. This has nothing to do with charismatic theology. And then here, here's another little interesting criticism. People will say, well, you didn't use any scripture. I got news for you. I've already quoted more scripture in this, in this segment than you're going to hear in most sermons. You know, because I'm not up here waving a Bible around, uh, that doesn't mean I'm not quoting scripture. And sadly, the person that says that, what that tells me is you obviously don't know the Bible very much because I'm quoting scripture. Because here's the deal. All I know about God is what the scripture says. And then I experienced that in my life when I put it into application. So, so in Isaiah 52, it's like, here's the problem. They don't see me as I am. And then in Isaiah 53, we have the account of what Jesus did on the cross, which I'm telling you, you might hear vague references to what Jesus did on the cross, but very seldom do you really uh, uh, dive into what the Bible says happened on the cross while he was dead while he was in the grave and what happened in the resurrection and then what happened when he was seated at the right hand of God. That's where all of our salvation, saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, uh, uh, established in the covenant. That's, that's where all of that comes from uh, more than any other place in the Bible. That's where this is consummated. What happened from the cross to the throne? And so Isaiah 53 tells us what happened to the, from the cross to the throne. Isaiah 54 tells us about what the Bible calls the covenant of peace that God made with Jesus. The new covenant is the covenant of peace. And God didn't make this covenant with me. He did not make this covenant with you. He did not make this covenant with, you know, the millions of individual believers. He made this covenant with Jesus so that it would be sure, it would be immovable, immovable and it would be unchangeable. And so that, that we could participate in it even when we struggle with our own issues. Because Jesus made the covenant, the last will and testament of Jesus goes into effect when he dies. When he is raised from the dead, he is raised from the dead to enforce and oversee this covenant. And because when we are saved, we're baptized into him, then that means that uh, we participate in everything that he obtained or accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection. So this means that for God, if I'm in Jesus, for God to allow the devil to attack me, then he would have to allow the devil to attack Jesus. For the devil to defeat me. Now, see, I can believe I'm defeated and give in to it and walk around and and and. and live this imaginary life of defeat. And it is an imaginary life. If you're a believer, then defeat is imaginary. It's all in your head because, because you know, in a certain sense, there is no spiritual warfare in the New Testament. It's not about fighting the devil. It should be called emotional warfare because it's all about dealing with your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And it's getting those in line, harmonizing those with what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and so, for the devil to attack me, he got to attack Jesus. And for him to get to me, then I've got to believe that somehow or another he got through Jesus. 
beat Jesus. You know, I, I, don't, I don't understand how you reconcile all that. So, so God can't do to me anything if he doesn't do it to Jesus first. And in the covenant of peace, God said to Jesus, he said, listen, for a moment, I poured out my wrath on you. For a moment, you know, I turned my, my back on you. And he said, but now he says, this covenant of peace is, is unto me. And Isaiah 54 is unto me like uh, the covenant I made with Noah, where I said, never again will the earth be destroyed by water. He said, so I'm telling you, never, ever again will I pour out wrath on you. Well, if I'm in Jesus, that means God's not going to pour out wrath on me. I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the world, but I'm telling you this, I'm in Jesus. God is never pouring out wrath on me. God is never doing bad things to me. And God is never letting bad things happen to me. You say, yeah, but bad things are happening. Well, you know what? If you'll hang with me through this series, I promise you this, you're going you're gonna to resolve that. That issue is no longer going to last. Now, here's the great thing about this. Many of you know that I always create series that, that support what we do in this broadcast. And we get this broadcast out here to, to tens of thousands of people a week for free. And we want it to be for free. We want the gospel to be for free. But my series are not just an exact duplication or an exact expansion of what I do here in these broadcasts. There's things I'm able to bring out for those who say, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sink my teeth into this. I'm a disciple. I want to know everything about how good God is. I want to know everything about how to make this journey. I want to know everything about how to, how to live and breathe and move and have my life in Christ Jesus, so that all I experience is the abundant life. I want to know how to stop these things that come into my life. I want to know how to resolve all of this, because if I'm in Jesus, then, then these things have no right to happen to me. Well, you know what? That's where I want to get you to. So Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54. What's the problem? The problem, they don't see God as he is. Isaiah 53, they get to see God as he is through the Lord Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Isaiah 54, we get to see the covenant, the immovable, unchangeable, unshakable covenant that God established in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and that we get to participate in. But Isaiah 53, when, when, when God is getting ready to reveal what the Bible says is the place that you go to. If you want to get established in the love of God, really these people who, good people, godly people, I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about they're serious. They, 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 they want God as much as anybody I know. But if, if they are not, well, let me put it this way. If, if they're succumbing to the religious ideology that says God does bad things to you to teach you, that God hurts people in your life, how stupid is that to think that I'm going to kill your cousin or I'm going to kill your daddy or I'm going to kill your mama or I'm going to kill one of your kids to teach you something? Man, that's, that's psychotic. That's, you know, that's what communists do. <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, uh, the mafia does. That's, that's, what, that's what criminals do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to hold you in fear and control you with the threat of killing your family. So you're saying that God is no better than a mafioso? You're saying that God is like a, some communist dictator that's going to force you to, to serve uh, by the threat of killing your family? I mean, it's, it's like, how can you believe that? Well, I'll tell you, you can't believe that if your heart's established in the love of God. So let me say, Get the series. If you're wanting to go deeper in this, if you're watching this on anywhere other than my website, go to impactministries.com and get the series, The Truth About Job. And I'm telling you, I'm going to take you as far as you can go in this, and then you'll go farther than I can take you by yourself. 
But, but the problem that we have is that we are not established in the love of God because we're not really established in what God did through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible tells us over in 1 John, 1 John 4, that, that it, the love of God is manifest in the propitiation, which is what happened, the satisfying. Now, you know, there's some people that argue that, you know, because propitiation tends to point toward the satisfying of wrath. And, you know, some people have trouble with that because if God is good, why does he have wrath? Well, number one, we don't understand wrath. And we may, you know, we may talk some about that. By the way, I've got a new book that's going to be coming out called Behind the Veil, where, we're, where we'll talk a little bit about the wrath of God and how it has been totally misunderstood. But the point is, God is satisfied at the cross because everything that man needs to experience the love of God, everything that man needs to come into a meaningful, peaceful, loving relationship with God is revealed at the cross. Now, the word love, as much as anything, has to do with value. And so at the cross, when we see, remember, something is as valuable to you as you're willing to pay for it. And the more you're willing to pay for something, obviously, the more value you have. When you see what, not only what God paid through the life of Jesus, but what Jesus actually went through, man, I'm going to tell you something. You're going you're gonna to come to understand how much God loves you beyond anything you probably ever imagined. But Isaiah 53, which describes that, not, and it's not the only place. The Bible is full of what happened to Jesus, not just on the cross, but there are scriptures after scripture after scripture that talks about what happened while he was in the grave. What really happened between the cross and the throne? And if you, if you don't know that, then the truth is you're really limited in understanding the value that God has for you. But here's the deal. Isaiah 53 opens up with this question. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I remember my first time reading the Bible through, and I think it's in Romans 3 where I come up on this concept of let God be true and every man a liar. You know, I, I remember thinking, well, I, I know God is true and I know everybody lies, but I didn't understand the context that he was putting that in. You see, God has revealed himself to us in some very specific ways. And, you know, th some of this is repetition, but you need the repetition. Number one is, is what is in the beginning or early on, God revealed himself to us through his names. And if there was, if, if God was, a God who hurt people to teach him, he would have a name that tells us that. But, but he doesn't. If God is the one that brings sickness and death, he would have a name that tells us that. But he doesn't. Just the opposite. If God uses torment and, and punishment and suffering as the way to make you more spiritual, then he would have a name for that. But he doesn't just. He has just the opposite. So if we just believe the name of God, remember Psalm 91 talks about all of these benefits that come to those who know his name. All through the scripture talks about things that happen in the lives of people who know his name. How many Christians, number one, know any of the names of God, but number two, believe that it means anything. Who has believed our report? You know, I, I can remember when I came to realize that what that scripture in Romans was talking about was this. 
God has given a testimony of himself through his names, through, more specifically, the life, the teachings, the modeling of the Lord Jesus Christ, and ultimately through the death, burial, and resurrection and what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. That's where more than any other place God has told us, this is who I am. This is who I am for you. Before you go, I'll tell you, before you go into the next message, which will be next week, I want you to make a decision. Am I teachable? Do I have a repentant heart? Am I willing to believe what God says about himself over anything that anybody has ever said to me? Listen, I want you to help me reach more people. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not, you can go to YouTube. And, and be sure and comment on this and tell people what you're getting out of it and like it if you can. And, and, and be sure and, and share this with other people because this becomes such a benefit. And you can subscribe to this site and all of those things make more people have the opportunity to hear and see this message. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.